Praise God. All right, well, today we're going to continue a, a, the four-week series on healing. This is the second one. Last week we talked about where sickness comes from, who's the author of sickness. And we, we looked at it, and, and, and the problem is, is in today's society, so many people think that God is sending sickness and he's sending destruction and natural disasters and all these things to punish people, to teach them a lesson. And yesterday we looked at where sickness comes from, and sickness actually comes from the devil. It's a tool of the devil. It always has been, and until Jesus comes back, it always will be. It's never used by God. So there's no opportunity for us to think that God's teaching us a lesson or he's, he's trying to get us to do something with sickness. When, when God wants to correct you or guide you, God will speak to you. He will speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you uh, in your heart. You'll, you'll know that God is convicting you. But the difference is that when God is directing you and when he is convicting you, it's not condemning. There's a difference between con- conviction. Conviction is, is correcting somebody which, which leads to life and it leads to growth. Condemnation is when, when the enemy is pointing out your failures not to help you to recover or grow, but to make you actually become weaker. Or you begin to question who God is or you begin to question yourself and it actually condemns you. But God is never going to send sickness to try to guide you. And then today we're going to talk about God's healing promises. What does the Bible say about healing? What does God say about healing? <clears throat> and uh, in Jeremiah 1.12, it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. You know, we look at the word of God because we can know when God says something that... It is true that he's watching over it, ready to perform it. God sees his word and he's looking for opportunities for his word to be made manifest in our lives. So when we look at the promises of God, we know that God is ready to, to do those in our lives. And I was looking, you know, we live in a society where, where poor health and sickness and disease are actually running rampant. We... Uh, live in a society where people think that because we're in America and we have the, the best healthcare system in the world that everything's going to be okay just by having that. And I was looking at a study that said that there's a uh, 75% of Americans are in poorer health, 75% than, um, than people in similar income level com- countries, so similar rich countries as we are where we have good healthcare, we have all the system in place. If you live in Canada, you're 75% like, more likely to be healthier than the, the men and women of the United States. So we have this healing, or this the health crisis in America. And uh, I was also read another study that showed that Americans are actually living longer today, which is good news. We're, we're living longer than we ever have before. But we're living sicker than we ever have before as well. So not only are we living longer, but we're living more miserable for that extra length of time. You know, we're, we're in poor health and we're not doing well. And it's, it's really disheartening because Jesus died so that we could live in good health. And then in 2007, heart disease was the leading cause of death in the United States at 25%. And then cancer was the second leading cause of death at 23%. Almost 50% of death in the United States is caused by sickness and disease. And that's just the two major ones. There's definitely more than that. You know, the healing is desperately needed in this society. And there's, there's those of us who, who have health conditions and issues. And I just want you to know that, that God is, has a promise for you, has hope for you, that you can be made well. In Him, you can be made well. So let's go ahead and look at our verse, first verse today as we get into this. The first thing we have to understand 
when we look at the scriptures and healing is that God cares for us, if God loves us, if we could just get that into our head, into our soul, if we woke up every morning and said, he loves me, God loves me, he cares for me so deeply, if we got up every morning and said that to ourselves and we began to believe it in our hearts, we'd begin to stop questioning what God's doing in our lives. And how do you know if somebody cares for you? What's the, the, the litmus test for how you know if somebody cares for you? Well, one of the things is, you know, as they talk to you, they tell you things. And in Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. We have a God who's willing to reveal his heart to us. He's willing to reveal his innermost desires to us. And that's how you know if someone cares for you. If you have somebody that you, that you work with and you never talk to and, and basically it's just a, a, coll- a colleague relationship, you'd never really think to yourself that person really cares deeply for me because he never talks to you. If your spouse never ever took a second to talk to you and actually tell you what's going on, you'd begin to wonder, does that person really care for me or am I just helping pay the rent, you know? <laughs> But God, he talks to us. He talks to us through, through his word. He talks to us uh, sometimes audibly. Many times he talks to us through our conscience as the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us. The next thing we notice about somebody who cares is they listen. And God is a God who listens. He hears us. In Psalm 116, 1 through 2, it says, the psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. We have a God who cares about what we think. He cares about what we say. When you have a, a problem, you can go to God. I would encourage you that when you have an issue, begin to speak to God about it, because God loves you and he cares about you, and he's, he's willing to work in your life. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. The next thing we see about a person that cares about us is they want to spend time with you. I mean, that's the, probably the number one thing is that people that actually want to spend time with you, you know they care about you. They, they value your input. They value your company. But how many people do you know gave up everything just so they could spend time with you? Because you see, God is a righteous God. And the, we've read other scriptures that say, in him there is no darkness at all. There's, there's just light. And because of that... In order for us to have fellowship with God, we have to be in the same condition. We have to be pure. We have to be holy. The, the greatest evidence that you are pure and holy after you, you have been saved is that Christ lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit could not live inside of you if you were not pure and holy. But God did that, restored us to that relationship, that, that right standing we had when, when Adam was in the garden so that he could have relationship with us. God gave up his only son just so you could spend time with him. And he wants to spend time with you. You know, it's always been the, the case that God has come looking for man. In the garden, when, when Adam took from the fruit, he, he made clothes out of figs leaves and, and he hid. And, and God said, Adam, where are you? God was looking for Adam. It wasn't Adam looking for God. And then God sends Christ to us. Because once again, God coming to man. God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. And the next thing is, is they want what is best for you. Someone who loves you wants what's best for you. I mean, how many times has has your your parents told you or or your spouse told you that that you don't need to be doing something and you're like, man, why do you got to be getting me down? Tell me I can't have fun. 
why well, you got to be doing this to me? Tell me that this thing, you know, they do these things that your first thought is, is they're trying to, to push you down. They're trying to not let you experience something. When the truth is, especially as parents, we know this, that when we tell our kids they can't do something, it's because we love them. You know, when we tell you that, that you, you can't stay out all, all night drinking and part, well, you probably don't tell your kids that yet, but, <laughs> but, you know, but we would tell our kids that they need to behave in, in, in a certain way because it's what's best for them. You know, when, when we tell their, our kids, this one you can relate to, that they can't have popsicles for every meal all day long, they can't have ice cream for every meal, it's not because we don't want our kids to enjoy ice creams because Lord knows I enjoy some ice cream a little too much most of the time, as you can see. But we don't tell them that because we don't want them to, to, have, to have ice cream. We tell them that because we know that, that if they do that, it'll eventually kill them if that's all they ate. You know? So in the same manner, God, God tells us things. He gives us commandments saying that you can't do these certain things, and it's not so, as the world would like to say, that we, God just doesn't want you to have a good time. It's because he knows that stuff actually harms you. And God is looking out for us because he loves us. We also see that God is slow to anger. And he's very patient with us. In uh, Psalms 103 verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. We know that God, I know God's been patient with me. I look back in my life and see the things I've done and when I've pushed God away. And, and I'm just amazed that, that every time he's, he's welcomed me back with open arms when I pushed him away. And he's been so patient with me. He never said, all right, Wayne, this is the last time. Every time he's come back. And every time I said, God, this is the last time I'll do this. I'm, I'm never doing this again. And, and he believed me and he trusted me. And, and then I did it again. But he always accepted me back. And I know in our, in our lives, I know there's been times with me, you can, it's easy to forgive somebody the first time and then the second time. About the third time, you're like, did you really mean it when you said sorry? Fourth or fifth time, you're like, I'm done. See ya. But God's never done that with me. And he's never done that with anybody. He's always patient, waiting for him. And then he gave everything for us. He gave his son, proving how much he loves us. You know, I see, I see God at work in my life preparing me for, for what I'm going through, even when, when I've turned away from him, even when I pushed away and was doing stupid things, I still see God at work in my life as he's prepared me for this, for this church, to lead this church. And I see stuff where, where I was doing stupid things, but he began to train me in leadership. He began to train me in faithfulness and in all these areas in my life. And my ability to, to write computer programs and do websites. And I, I see all this work in my life that even when I was pushing God away, he was still preparing me. He was still there with me always. And God cares about us. He loves us. And the last thing it says, cast all your anxiety on him. That's something that's so important because God wants to carry our burdens. God wants you to give everything to him. Life is so much easier to go through if you quit trying to do everything yourself and actually give to God. Because in our weakness and stuff that we can't handle, then we are strong when we let God work through us. Say him. Ahem. Amen. See, there you go. There's my first word slip today. It's got to be at least one every service, right? Next, we find that, the, that God, as we begin to look at these promises, that God is going to give you strength. In Psalm 29.11, it says, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You know, God gives us a strength to overcome 
everything that comes at us in our life, because there's going to be storms. The Bible says that the storms come to the righteous and the unrighteous alike. The rain falls, the storms come to, to all of us, to, to the whole world, whether you're saved or you're not. But the Bible says that the Lord will give you strength. To his people, he gives strength to overcome, to conquer. And every time you're victorious in an area, every time that you're victorious, the outcome is peace. And I thank God for that. As, as we're struggling with something, as we're, as we're fighting with something, once we, we stand on the word of God and we, we remain faithful and we persevere, sometimes it takes perseverance. It doesn't happen automatically. But as we persevere, in the end, we, we get peace. And we overcome that great storm in our life. And I, I'm so thankful that at the end we have peace. But it's not only that, but during the struggle, God will give you peace if you accept that from him. He'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, the Bible says. You know, there's times when, when I shouldn't have had peace in my life. I see stuff that's going on and I begin to trust God. And, and, you, and I feel peace about it. I remember when, uh, when my dad died this last year, my sister would look at me and she's like, how come you can remain so calm? How come it's not affecting you like it's affecting me? And it's not that it didn't affect me. I, I mourn for my dad. I mourn for that loss and it hurt. But the Bible says we have a hope that the rest of the world doesn't have. I get to see my dad again. There's this peace that my sister couldn't understand. Even I couldn't understand. I, I wasn't as broken as she was because I knew that I would see my dad again someday. There was this peace that God gave me over the whole situation. And it was amazing. And I thank God so much for that to help me weather the storm. And then in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, it says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Isn't it good that God's going to give us strength even in areas that we don't have strength? It says, though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I don't know about for you guys, but for me, that's good news, because there's times that I feel tired. And I thank God that God's there to, to give me strength to continue on, to continue moving on. And this verse right here, this, the Jews were complaining to God. And kind of like us sometimes, they're complaining to God like he doesn't know, know our situation. Like, God, don't you see what's happening? Don't you understand what's going on in my life? I can't, aren't you looking? And his answer before this verse is he starts this. He, God says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He's like, he's like, I see what's going on. Do you not know who I am? And God is willing to give you his strength, his lack of weariness. God does not grow tired. There is not enough problems in this world to overwhelm God. There's not enough problems in your life that God's going to say, if you wouldn't have just done that last thing, I could have helped you out, but I'm sorry. That puts you over the edge. You're going to, I'm sorry. I can't help you. He's going to turn away. There's never a time like that where God's going to move away from you and tell you that he can't help you. He will always give you his strength, and he will always remove your weariness from you. And sometimes the road looks impossible in our life. Sometimes we look forward and, and, and I know some of the stuff that's going on with people in, in the church here and, and my fr other friends and family and coworkers. And sometimes it looks tough. It looks like that we're never going to get through this. I know there's times, probably George, when you look at your life or you look at your son's life, you look and you're like, 
how are we ever going to make it? This is an impossible situation. And I want you to know, God wants you to know that nothing is impossible with Him. If you put your faith in Him, there is nothing that's impossible. And, and if you rest in Him, right here it says, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. And that doesn't mean sit down on your butt and do nothing. What it means is put your faith in God. Continue to actively put your trust in Him. And it says He will give you rest. He will give you new strength. And then finally it says, they will mount up with wings like eagles. Such an interesting scripture, they will mount up with wings like eagles. What he's saying is that God will emotionally restore you. He will spiritually restore you when you're, you're down in the dumps because you look forward and it's so hard. When you put your trust in God, God will lift your spirits. God will give you new strength. And God wants to work in your life. Amen? And then we looked at, I'm going to look at God as, as your healer. God is your healer. God will make you well. And in Exodus 15:26, it says, And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. First thing, before I get too far into this, we have to understand this is, this is pre-Jesus. This is a time before the blood of the Lamb was shed for the entire world. There was God's wrath still had to be satisfied. God's justice and righteousness had to be satisfied in those times. That's why they, they sacrificed the blood of bulls and goats was to, to satisfy God's wrath and anger and, and to, to fulfill righteousness. Now I want you to know in, in today's society, God's not putting sicknesses or diseases on anybody. His wrath has been satisfied in His Son. That requirement for righteousness and justice for the sins of the world were, were, were taken care of in His Son. So we can be confident that, that God's not putting sicknesses on anybody today. But I show this to you because you begin to see the heart of God in these scriptures. He says, For I, the Lord, am your healer. God is telling His people who they are. <laughs> And we see in their lives that obedience to the Lord, giving earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, resulted in health and wellness in their body. Well, what does that mean to us today? When we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our, our faith and hope in Him, we receive that same healing. And then it says there's the implication that lack of obedience results in and these diseases being put on them. If they're not obedient to the Lord, if they're not doing that, then, then there is no hope for protection from this stuff. And it's the same for us, that if, if we don't put our hope and trust in Jesus, if you're not saved, then, then sin is still rampant in your life. And we, and we learn that the, the wages of sin is death. The result of sin is death and sickness. And there's no freedom from that. But in Jesus, we have freedom from sickness and disease. And we learn that the Lord is our healer. And then in Exodus 23:25 through 26, it says, But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. And like I said, I just can't express enough that these scriptures are not saying that if, that if we sin today, if we're disobedient to the law, that we're going to have sickness in our lives. If you have sickness in your body, 
It's not because you've done something wrong. It's not because there's something you've got to straighten out. It's because there's an enemy in this world that wants to attack you. There's an enemy in this world that wants nothing better for you to stop focusing on God and start focusing on what's going on in yourself. So that he can, you know, the old saying, misery loves company. The devil has been defeated. He is going to spend his eternity in hell, and he wants you there with him. So I want to be clear that I'm not saying that if you're disobedient or if you sin, that's where sickness comes from. And I, I, you guys are hearing me on that, right? That's, that's not where it comes from. Because Jesus has paid for that. But this was a covenant that God made with his people back then. He said, if you obey my commandments, then he will bless your bread and water. He, they will always have enough to eat and drink. I will remove sickness from your midst. That's a healing, because God is our healer. There should be no one miscarrying or burying your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. He's saying that I will ensure that you live the length of days you're supposed to live. Sickness is not going to steal your days. You know, suffering and pain is not going to steal that from you. But in we see that this was the covenant that was made with the Jews, but we live in a better covenant. In Hebrews 8, 6, it says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he, meaning Jesus, is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. This is what was promised to the Jews. We live in a better covenant that is enacted on better promises. See, this reveals the heart of God, who he is. God is our healer. God loves us. And that's why I'm showing you these scriptures. God is our healer. Amen. And then in Jeremiah 30, 17, it says, For I will restore you to health, and I will heal you of your wounds, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast, saying, It is Zion. No one cares for her. Now in this time, Jews are having a rough time. They have been rebellious towards God. They're, they're bearing the fruit of that. So now they're being, the Judah is being oppressed by the Assyrians. They've basically been conquered by the Assyrians and they're being oppressed. And uh, Israel is being oppressed by the Babylonians and they're being conquered by them. And then in the beginning of Jeremiah, we see that there are some false prophets that show up and, and they begin to, actually the word of God, the, the Bible says they bring peace superficially. You know, they look like they're bringing peace, but they're not. There's no real restoration or peace with them. So then Jeremiah begins to prophesy. And this scripture right here is actually about the Messiah. It's about Jesus. If we look at Jeremiah 39, 30 verse 9, it says, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Is how this, this passage starts. David their king I will raise up. The, uh, the new uh, international version says, from the king descendant from David. Because see, this is actually after David has already passed away. This prophecy that any theologian that I've read is, is referring to Jesus. The, Jesus is often referred to as David in the Old Testament as they refer to Jesus, the David their king. And that's what it's talking about. This scripture directly references Jesus. It says, I will restore you to health. I will heal you of your wounds. Jesus came to do that very thing. This king that would, that would rise up came to do that very thing, that he came to, to restore us to health, to make us whole in our body, and to heal us of our wounds, which is that spiritual brokenness that was given to us when, when Adam sinned on the cross. And that's what Jesus came to do, is to restore us from that. And then in Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5, 
It says, who pardons all your iniquities. This is, this is uh, David speaking about God. It says, who, he pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, things, things that's two, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. <laughs> I'll count for you this time, baby. <laughs> So, says who, God, speaking of God, who pardons all your inequities, in Jesus, God has forgiven us all of our sins, all of our inequities. And then it says, who heals all your diseases. Who heals just some of your diseases. Is that what it says? It says all your diseases. There is no disease that God is not going to take care of in Jesus. We are made whole in Jesus. And it says... Who redeems your life from the pit? Did you know that that uh, before Jesus, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. This life from the pit is a reference to the grave. Jesus saved us from the grave, permanent death, and gave us new life in him. It says, who crowned you with loving kindness and compassion, because God's love is never-ending. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Who satisfies your year with good things. You know, in Jeremiah... 29.11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. And that doesn't mean down at the state. That means, that means for you to prosper. And not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And that your youth would be renewed like an eagle. Amen. That's great news. And then in Proverbs 40, verses 20 through 22, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their, bo- to all their body. And this psalm is an instruction for a father to a son. It speaks of, of the father giving the son wisdom and incline your ears to my sayings because they'll be able to bring life to those who find them and health to all their body. God is our Heavenly Father. When we incline our ear to His Word, we spend time in the body and we begin to learn the nature of God and the nature of His love for us. We begin to read because some of us might not even have known there were these promises in the Bible about healing. That, that We may not even have known that God had these desires for us. But as we incline our ear to His Word, His Bible, as He speaks to us, we begin to see. And we begin to see how they can give life to us. And in you know, there's a similarly in, in, in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on, it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You know, this, this idea of meditation in our culture, we, we see, you know, the, the yoga people is, um, empty your mind of everything. And that's what we, we consider this Eastern meditation. But the Bible, when it speaks of meditation, it says, do not let this word, or Joshua says, do not let this word depart from your mouth. What he's saying is begin to repeat the word of God. Do not let it depart from, that's meditation. It's not emptying your mind of all things, but filling your mind with the word of God. You know, so when you're going through a tough time and, and, and you, you, know, you begin to become fearful, you begin to repeat, the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of, of a sound mind. 
or when you begin to to look at your life and think that I'm never going to be whole, you begin to to repeat that that uh, by His wounds I have been made whole. That God says I am your healer. We repeat these things to ourselves. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do if you're sick is begin to take all these scriptures of the healing promises of God. As we look at these scriptures through the next uh, two more weeks and the last two. Put them out on, on post-it notes and stick them on your refrigerator. Stick them on your mirror and on your wall. You look at them and you begin to, to be reminded daily of the Word of God. It's one of the greatest things. And my wife does it all the time. If You go upstairs and you find sticky notes all over our walls up there. Because it's amazing about just keeping that in your mind. Because we forget. We for, it's so easy to forget. And the enemy begins working on us and, and begins to tell, oh, you know, you're not healed. You're not, you're, not, you're not well. He begins to tell us these things. So we remind ourselves as we meditate on his word daily. And it says, for they are life to those who find them. You know that when we look in the Bible and we read about Jesus, that is, that is life to us. That is life to us. It says that he gave us a brand new life. And it's, and it's amazing because that promise of life is offered to everybody. And there's so many people who never get to hear it. There's so many people who never know that God has better plans for them, that has more for their life, that he wants them to be made whole. And we live in this, this, this hopelessness. They live in this hopelessness that there's nothing better for them. And some of them are even deceived into thinking that everything is okay. You know, that they have all the money they need in the world and everything's going great, but they go to bed at night with, with a hole with, with, without satisfaction. So they keep reaching for other things. But if we could just introduce these men and women to the Word of God, we can give them life. And that is, uh, this is one of our ultimate goals here at Living with Family Churches is our vision is to, to, to bestow these promises on somebody else, not in our power, but in His power. It's not us giving them life, it's Jesus, but we have the opportunity to tell them about it. To, and that is our vision for this church, is to grow as we begin in this small living room and, and we, we, we preach to a small group of people and we begin to grow. Our vision is to get into a bigger building and to invite more people, to reach more people, because there is life in the Word of God. There is life for those who are lost, those who are dead in their sins and trespasses, and we can give that to them. And the last thing, however many, how many of you guys have read that, that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ? We gather faith. We, our faith grows when we spend time in the word. You know, that's the only place that the Bible speaks of that faith comes from. And the reason is we read the word and we see what God's doing and we can put our trust in what he's doing. You know, if, if we give attention to God's Word, if we begin to, to meditate on them day and night and the Word of them never leaves our mouths, then our faith will begin to grow. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, even small faith, anything is possible. So when you're dealing with sickness and you want to stand against the enemy, if we, and we'll talk about this in a, in a later, I'm going to spend a lot of time on, on, on faith to be made well, that faith, our responsibility in healing but that's how it grows. We spend time in His Word and, and the faith inside of us grows and we're able to say to that mountain, be cast into the sea. And then, <clears throat> this is a, a scripture we've probably all heard many, many times. And uh, it's in Isaiah 53, 4-5 and it says, Surely our griefs He Himself bore. And this is speaking of, this is prophetic. Hundreds of years before Jesus, speaking of him, it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. He was chastened for our well-being, for our well-being, sorry, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. And then in 1 Peter 2.24, Peter's actually quoting this verse as he's speaking to the congregation there. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You know, when I look at this, it says, Surely his, our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. And I wonder, why do we try to carry our own sorrows? Why do we try to live with this stuff in our lives? Why do we try to, to carry the, the guilt and shame of past failures and regrets? When Jesus already did that. Jesus already carried that guilt and shame of who we are. Jesus already bore the sorrows, the sickness, the pain that we sometimes try to carry ourselves, that he did this for us so that we don't have to. You know, when you, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he did that for you. And there's no reason for you to have to carry that. And I would encourage you to just give that to him. Any, any pain that you're feeling, any regrets in your lives, if you look back at parts in your life that you are, are, are uncertain about or you feel like that, that it's holding you down, you feel like that, no, that I have to pay for this somehow. I want you to know that you don't. That Jesus already did that for you. And we look at our lives and, and don't let those areas in our lives pull you away from God because He has made you clean, He has made you pure, and He carried that for you. He did it so you didn't have to. It says, and these verses are in context, speaking of our spiritual healing. You know, in Isaiah, he's talking about the spiritual healing of a nation. Peter is actually talking about our spiritual healing. And truthfully, in these particular scriptures, physical healing is not demanded from the text. It's not discluded. It's not uh, excluded. But these, are, these two, are, in particular, are speaking about our spiritual healing. But I also believe that these include our physical healing. These include health for our body. That's why we pray, by his stripes we are made whole. And in a moment I'm going to show you that I'm, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. That these verses also include physical healing. But Christ died so that we could be made whole. Christ was pierced in his side and took lashes on his back with, with incredibly painful bone-tipped uh, straps so that we wouldn't have to feel that pain, that our bodies would be made whole. You know, when, when Christ died, he died to restore us to that same position that, that Adam had with God. He came to, to destroy the work of sin in our life, and sickness came as a result of sin. And that's why I believe that as a result of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as a result of, of him paying the price for us, that, that our body is made whole. And then if we continue to look on in Matthew, verses 8, 16 through 17, it says, Math, it says uh, when evening came, in verse 16, 
they brought him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all of them who were ill. This was to fill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. You know, Matthew interpreted that verse in the same way. He looked at what Jesus was doing. Jesus was removing sickness. And he says, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. He understood that Jesus healed our bodies. And I'm so thankful that every time I see God healing, Jesus healing in the New Testament, not once does he ever say, I'm sorry I can't heal you because you're not good enough. Not once does he ever say that, that you don't read your Bible enough or you don't go to synagogue enough. Not once does he say, I would heal you, but I, know I heal you, but I knew what you did to your brother when you were four. I would heal you, but I, I know what you did yesterday. Not once does he ever say that. Every time people came to him, he healed all who were ill. He cast out the spirits of the world. He, he always made people whole. Jesus always restores, and he's not a respecter of person, and there's nothing that you could have ever done that's going to stop him from restoring you to the rightful place of where you should be in, in fellowship with God. And in James 5, 14 through 15, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. This verse is the reason why we pray for those who are sick. James said, if someone's sick, call the elders of the church and, and pray for them. And the prayer offered in faith. When we pray for somebody to be healed, it must be offered in faith. If you pray for somebody and you don't expect it to happen, if, you, if you're praying for somebody because it's the right thing to do, it's the Christian thing to do, but you don't believe God can actually move, you actually hamper God's ability to work in your life and in that person's life. The prayer is offered in faith because like I, talk, I talked about before in the culture of Living Hope Family Church and faith, faith is believing God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. And we believe, God, when we lay hands on the sick, that they will recover. And it's because of God's promise. He says, it will restore the one who is sick. It's not a question. It's not a question. The prayer offered in faith, God will restore those who are sick. And something to, to, to really point out that I, that I noticed that I see a lot, and you'll see it on, on you guys on Facebook? No, no Facebook. You'll see it on Facebook. You'll see it on uh, basically this call to this idea that if we get enough people to pray, God will surely answer our prayers. You know, we say we, we call the elders of the church to, to pray for them. Yeah, we call men and women of God to, to pray for the sick. But it's not this idea of that, that if we get enough elders to pray, then surely they'll be healed. If, if we get enough people yelling at God, then God will finally hear them. If we, if we yell loud enough or long enough, then God will finally hear them. And, and maybe he wasn't healed because we only got 35 people on the prayer team. And if we would have just got 36, then surely he would have been healed. I want you to know that God is not browbeat into healing people. God is not browbeat into performing his will. God is faithful watching over his word. He wants to perform his, his word in our lives. And and it's not a, uh, an issue of, of enough people praying, but it's, it's do we have people praying in faith? Amen? And the last thing here says they anointed them with oil when he prays for them. And uh, there's a part of this that, that when you lay hands on somebody, it's, uh, 
It's a, it's a conduit for faith. It's an, it's an opportunity for people to release their faith in what's going on. Same with anointing them with oil. When you anoint them with oil, it's, it's an opportunity for them to release faith. But I think even more importantly here is that as I was reading different commentaries on this verse and, and about the culture of the time, and, and oil was kind of like Tylenol is today. You know, yeah, yeah. Or, like, or like Windex was on my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> You know, if they're sick, put some Windex on it. <laughs> but it's, that's what, it, was, it, was, it was medicinal. That's, that's why they carried oil was to put on their wounds. They carried oil as a, as a medicinal, for its medicinal properties. What he's saying here is, is if somebody has some sickness, lay hands on them and pray for them. And if they need medicine, take medicine. If you got a headache, take some aspirin, take some Tylenol, and thank God that God will heal you, even using Tylenol and aspirin. Thank God that, that, that there are doctors that God works through. You know, we're not, when we believe in, in healing by faith, we're not competing with doctors. We're not competing with, with these. I mean, they have the same desire we do. We want people to be healed and restored. You know, if, if, if you've got something that needs to be taken care of, take the medicine. There's nothing wrong with that with one caveat. And that's that you trust God and not the medicine. That you trust God and not the doctors. Now, God will use doctors to heal you. God put plants in our society, in our, in our world, that have medicinal properties. God wasn't like, oh, wow, look what that does. I mean, God, God created this earth. He knew what he was doing. And like, just like here, pray for them. Praying comes first. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Praying comes first, trusting God comes first, and then anointing them with oil comes second. Their faith was in God and not in the oil, but they weren't opposed to using it. Even Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your frequent stomach ailments. He wasn't saying, drink and be merry. He was saying, you know, take some cough medicine. That's what he was talking about there. But he wasn't opposed to there being stuff that was medicinal happening in our, in our lives, and neither are we. We thank God that God created those things, and he gives people the ability to use those things that he can work in our lives. Amen? <clears throat> then in Mark 16, 17 through 18, it says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Remember when Paul got shipwrecked and he reached down to pick up some firewood and got, got bit by a snake and he just shook it off? I'd, I'd love to saw that because I can just imagine he gets bit and he kind of just pushes it away, kicks it off, and goes beyond his work. And all the natives there, they're like, just dumbfounded. I, I, just could, I wish I could see the look on their face as they, as they did that. I mean, can you imagine having that kind of faith and in who your God was just to, just shook it off? He didn't even bother with it. Didn't even, didn't have time to, to acknowledge it. And the people are like, oh, he must have been a terrible sinner. He, he survived the shipwreck, but now he's going to die. And they're waiting for him to swell up. And they're, they're all sitting around the fire and they're all watching him. And I imagine it would have been uncomfortable for Paul. He's like, what are you guys looking at me for? What are you? But they're looking at him, just waiting for him to die. And finally, they're like, all right, you know, this guy, they actually begin to think of him as a god. They try to worship him. But that's the, the, the promise that God has for us, that 
that we can trust in Him. And we look at this today, and, and that doesn't happen today. That, that's just craziness. Now, if you ever get bit by a rattlesnake, I would suggest you go to the doctor. Let's be wise. Let's have some wisdom in what we're doing. But still, trust God that you're going to be okay, because God will perform a miracle in your life. And my, my pastor, Pastor Mike Petzer from Living Hope in Tucson, one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. And he, uh, he was at a party, and they're out by the poolside, and he went and saw a glass of water, thought it was his, or a, and I don't know if it was a glass of water or he poured it, but it was a jug that he thought was water. It looked like water, clear, and he pours it. And he's terribly thirsty, and he begins to chug this water. Well, it turns out that the bottle, the jugs of water that they had purchased looked exactly like the jug of, of, of acid they used for the pool. And he just began chucking it, and then he notices it's, it's hurting, and he's beginning to taste the blood. And he drank, and I'm not sure what kind of acid it was, but it, you know, it wasn't lemon juice. I mean, it began to, to destroy his throat and his vocal cords, and, and, and they, they rushed him to the hospital. And, and he had a, a man of faith that began to lay his hands on him, began praying over him in tongues and thanking God for healing. And as he did so, his body became healed. When he got there, he got to the, to the hospital, there, there was no more burning, and there was, and I don't know the exact details of how fast it happened, but I do know that if you drink acid, your vocal cords don't survive, your throat doesn't survive. This man preaches twice a week, every week, since that incident. God completely restored him. He drank deadly poison, and not only was his throat okay, but it didn't kill him. You know, that's, he drank a significant amount of acid, but God is so faithful. And I want you to know this does happen today. This, this kind of stuff. God is, was not just faithful in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. He was not just faithful to the church in the time of Acts. This stuff is for today. And the last thing that I want to point out is that it says, they lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Isn't it good news that we are guaranteed to recover if we put our faith in God? But you know what it doesn't say? they will instantly recover. You know, we have this idea that, that every time we get prayed for, that it's supposed to happen automatically. You know, we live in a society that, that we're a microwave society. You know, we want a burrito, it takes 45 seconds. You know, we want some ramen noodles, a minute and a half. We're a, we're a society that demands instant gratification. But there's times that, that, that it, it's not going to happen instantly. So what do we do in those times? We continue to trust God because His Word has not failed us. We continue to trust God because you will recover. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. And you know what's going to happen? The devil is instantly going to come to you and go, see, you're not healed. Look at, look at your circumstance. Look at your, your situation. You're not healed. So you have a choice. Do I believe God or do I believe the devil? Do I believe God or do I believe the lie of the enemy? Do I look at the fact that I'm still sick or the truth that I've been made whole in Jesus Christ? Amen? And in Mark eleven twenty four 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. This doesn't seem like a, a, a healing scripture, Pastor Wayne. What are you talking about? Is this a promise for healing? 
all things. I think that includes healing. When we pray to God, when we ask for things, and we believe that we have received them, you remember we talked about the, the prayer offered in faith? When we believe that we have received them, we don't check that we've received them. We don't see that we already have received them, and then we believe. We believe that we've received them before we even ask. And it says they will be granted for you. This includes physical healing. This includes mental healing. This includes provision in our life. When we ask God in faith, He is faithful to answer our prayers. And we can be confident that He will answer our prayers accordingly. Amen? And the final verse I want to look at is found in verse John 3.8. And it says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The very purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was to destroy the work that the devil had done, beginning in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Eve and she ate the fruit and then Adam ate the fruit and sealed the deal. From that moment, we had sickness and death in our lives. We have lying, cheating, stealing. That all comes from the fall. And Jesus came to, for this sole purpose, was to destroy the works of the devil. Sin was a result of the devil. Before the devil, there was no sin. But because of Jesus, we are loosed from that sin. We are freed from that sin. Sickness was the result of sin. And because of Jesus, Jesus has destroyed its power. Jesus has destroyed its ability to wreak havoc in our life because we can take authority over it and tell it to go that it does not belong. And finally, the Bible says that the last thing, the final enemy is death. When Jesus comes, death will be completely and utterly destroyed. And I am so thankful that God is faithful to his word. I am so thankful that, that God has made us whole, that we have freedom from these things that torment us in our lives, that, that God cares about us and loves us. And I want you to know that, that if you're dealing with any sickness or any, anything like that going on in your life, God does not want that for you. God wants you whole and he wants you healthy. And he wants better things for your life. Amen? Let's go ahead and bow our heads.